everybody, this episode of Star Trek The Next Conversation is brought to you by Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum in Hollywood, California. If you've ever been to Hollywood, you can't believe it. But if you've ever believed or not believed, this makes little to no sense. Can you believe it? I can. Anyway, Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum and Auditorium is a wonderful place to spend an afternoon. And why not spend an afternoon for two for one? That's a buy one, get one offer. How do you get that? Such a deal? Well, all you gotta do is mention Star Trek The Next Conversation to the good ticket people at the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum. Some of them might go, what? I don't understand. Others might go, you got a deal, bro. (laughs) It's probably written down somewhere at the register. I don't know how this works other than you mention it. And guess what? It's buy one, get one. After 5 p.m., you can get into the auditorium, spend a whole evening in there, uh, constantly believing and not believing. It's really up to you. That's the beauty of the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum. I think of it as a museum of freedom because you can choose to believe it or not believe it. I feel like I'm in the tunnel in Willy Wonka where all the psychedelic images are happening. Well, it's at the Crossroads of Entertainment, Andy. Hollywood and Highland head there. Tell them we sent you. Get buy one, get one after 5 p.m. That's $20 for two people to walk straight in to a magical time. Podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey everybody, welcome. It's Star Trek The Next Conversation. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. We're here. We're talking about an episode called The High Ground, which had a lot of low points, but we're here. (laughs) (laughs) It's ironic. It's a a lot of low ground. It's like rain on your wedding day. Did that happen to you? Free ride when you're already there. Did you have good weather on your wedding day? Uh, We were in Vegas, so yeah. Vegas in October, Andy. It's a wonderful time. We were the last weekend they allowed outdoor weddings because of the uh, wind storm potential that happens in uh, the winter in Las Vegas. Yeah. Uh, it was lovely. It was a great time. I had a great time, too. It was uh, winter in New York. It was a New York City ballroom. Oh, I always forget that Andy was married. But uh, the winter was a harbinger that I did not... Uh, <laughs> I did not see the subtextual meaning in it. If you'd like to marry Andy, go ahead and write into the podcast. It's going to be a Patreon level. <laughs> <laughs> For $5 a month, you can marry Andy. We're getting dangerously close to uh, having a Patreon set up for you guys. There's talk. It's not for us. It's for Andy. It's, it, there's been a lot of arguments. Even it's for though Andy. I think everyone can remember that on this very podcast, it was Matt that suggested the Patreon. 
And um, I don't remember what kind of work I was trying to get out of to uh, offer up the idea of a Patreon page, but now I have been. I don't remember it. I've been uh, really. I'm being. I'm being held accountable for the thing that that Matt uh, suggested just by going. Well, what about this level? What about this level? So there's a lot of arguments. Yeah. In fairness, we'd be having arguments about something. I think the idea is, guys. I, I don't want a d- bunch of levels. I think just one reasonably priced level. I was saying a lot of activity. Minimally, then, we should have a United Federation of Planets President Circle right. level in addition to the basic level. Yeah. Anyway, point. Who cares? That's not a thing yet. We don't have to worry about that yet, guys. We're going to talk about Star Trek: The Next Generation because that's what we do on this podcast. We sure do. We never say that at the top, but I guess if you're here, then you know that. Matt, <laughs> if you can't figure that out before you've clicked on this, then downloaded an episode that is called the high ground tng season three episode 12 then i don't know what's going on with should you. i take that out of the uh the top of the uh, twitter uh, thing i sort of put it that way so that people really know what their what the deal is but maybe it's too, too what nerdy. on the twitter yeah what does it say it just basically has the breakdown of like it's this season it's this episode it's this etc should you break take it because otherwise they don't know what episode they're it's in reference to in the twitter what are you talking about isn't it in the title of the show I put it in the title of every episode, the yeah, season guess, and the yeah, episode. I guess it'll be there when you. When it's you always there. Out. All right. Well, maybe I'll take it out then. Guys, Andy's doing his own thing. I don't know what's happening over there. Maybe you do. He's barely on this podcast. <laughs> I spend most of my time now in the uh, Star Trek: honest. The Next Conversation Facebook page. He's really started by Rob. Rob, hey Rob, great job over there. It's really like uh, he's. Um, He's like he, he likes to go somewhere where he's the life of the party. Uh, I really feel good about that place. They, they all seem to enjoy the podcast and Star Trek, so they're definitely my kind of people. Um, Matt, you want to step into the Admirals Club? Speaking of clubs and do we joining? do Hales first, or do we do the Admirals? Club? Are you seriously asking me that? Honestly, at this point in the yes. podcast, this is insanity. We do the Admirals Club. Then we do the United Federation of Planets President Circle. Oh, wait. No, first we ask you, uh, what do you, would you watch this episode? Oh, God. Thank God. I did feel like we were missing something. Oh, okay. No, I wouldn't watch this episode. Okay. Would you watch this episode? I would not watch this episode. There you go. It's a double no. I got to tell you that I feel bad about that because our good friend Melinda Snodgrass wrote this episode. And um, there's some really pretty writing and speechifying in it. And... Uh, but no, it's uh, it kind of lays there. It's not anyone's fault, except every the collective. It's the collective unit's fault. <laughs> the Borg. <laughs> yeah, it's the Borg's fault. Anyway, let's go to the Admirals Club. Okay. Oh, I didn't plug oh, in. Oh, Andy. Andy uh, didn't plug in. I didn't plug oh, in. Oh, wait, don't. You're going to cause such a noise when you pop that in. All right, you're turning it down. Uh, well, if I do that, I'll cut it. I mean, let me cut our engines. I'm going to drop us to impulse. <laughs> okay. There we go. We're at impulse speed. That's uh, exciting. That's what it sounds fire like. Fire up the engines. So calming. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if people like the fact that we have the... Uh, the engines going i feel like we addressed it a long time ago people may have strong opinions but i like it uh, whatever you know what andy that wasn't smooth enough i'm going back out to the hallway right. uh now i'm gonna say let's go to the admiral's club okay yeah 
Chris Malkowski, who wrote the uh, Admiral's Club theme, and I assume sang it, unless he hired someone, <laughs> uh, said that his fiance is uh, always very proud of him. That that's like uh, one of his proudest achievements. He's getting the show on on. It's being the the Admiral's Club theme. He created the Admiral's Club theme. You didn't hear the beginning of it. <laughs> anyway, Jeff Vader writes us. Oh, how do they get into the Admiral's Club? Sorry. Uh, it's a, a joke. show. It's pretty easy to get into the Admirals Club. All you have to do is go over to your Apple Podcast situation and leave a five-star review for this podcast, and then you'll be welcomed uh, to the Admirals Club, which is a lovely place. It's Think of 10 Forward, but bigger and with more doors. If you want to know what it looks like overhead, you can go to the Star Trek The Next Conversation Facebook group, and you'll see a nice diagram there. Jeff Vader 84 writes us, No excuse needed to rewatch TNG, but you are the perfect reason to. From series three only, of course. <laughs> Enjoy the views of both enjoying the views of both someone who has seen TNG many times over, like me, and someone who's watching it for the first time. You keep me going during my long drives around Scotland and Wales for work. From Stuart Graves, Dundee, Scotland. Um Stuart Graves uh, wrote us because I'm too dumb to figure out how to get access to uh, to the iTunes reviews um, in other countries. So uh, email us at sttncpod <laughs> at gmail your uh, review and uh, and you will be um, in the Admirals Club. Um, I'm an admiral or president or something like that from Rob's Piz 3R. Hey, this subpar show has helped me through a few trips overseas in a tiny, boring Russian town, and now through a confusing breakup. The show helps me understand it could truly be worse. (laughs) It's it's really true. You could be either one of us. (laughs) It's true. Um, And our last one is from DT Star, and it just says, Guys, nobody pushes buttons the way you do. That's so true. It really is. And we don't have any United Federation of... uh, Planet's President Circle uh, donations this week, so you can do as you will, Matt. Do you want to just leave the Admirals Club? Or we have you wanna... no. We don't even want to swing through and say hey to the guys that are already in there, I guys mean, and gals, of course. I always say guys to be genderless. I'm sorry, everybody, but uh, yeah. uh, you know what? I don't even feel like going in there. You don't feel like going in there? All right, then let's just head back out to the corridor where apparently we we uh, perform this podcast. <laughs> If you'd like to see where we were performing the podcast, there's a there's a great uh, drawing of it. Uh, no, it's not a drawing. It's a Photoshop uh, a photo of us draw on, on the... Anyway, point is, let's go out to the corridor. And that was the now, this plays on the speakers outside of the club. Well, yeah. Do they hear it? Do they hear it inside, or is it only? I feel like they only hear it in the corridor. Oh, okay. So it's, that's the, when you laugh. Very good soundproofing. You're saying on, yeah. on board the Enterprise. Yeah, I assume a shield comes up as soon as you walk through. So they some can't sort of like, some a, like a force field, proof. like an audio force field. Yeah, an audio force field. <laughs> um, we should have audio force fields for ourselves when we don't want to listen to the other person. Um, we also got the Instagram up and running. FYI, hang on, I'm putting up an audio force field, guys. Let me tell you how great it is to not hear. Andy. 
Andy and his dumb voice. He's probably going to try to say something, but uh, I put up the audio force field. What's going on? <laughs> See? The audio force field. What's going on? <laughs> Are you talking about me? Oh, guys, he'll never know. Anyway, I guess we'll drop the force field. I don't like you having power over the audio force field and I have nothing. <laughs> but I guess it's a good uh, symbol for this show. Um, anyway, we uh, we got the uh, Instagram up and running. It's the same as our Twitter, which is at Star Trek TNC. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, uh, I will, I will cop to the fact that my uh, my system of trying to log is probably too complicated. <laughs> um, because I'm trying to do at uh, hashtag Star Trek TNC oh, episode and then the number episode that it refers to. But I will say. Even though it's a minimal amount, people have already, like, we have, like, some insane photoshops of us that have been coming in um, that are just the best. Um, so uh, those will all be, I'm sure, eventually. Have you put anything on the Instagram? Especially from Mike Mann. Other than, like, your long uh, diatribe of how to get stuff submitted? <laughs> uh, yeah, I did. Uh, our, um, I can't, I don't have his number here. I don't have his, his email. Do you have? Do you have our Instagram in front of you? Um, no. Whatever the case, uh, we got a, the the original guy who did the um, the. Um, I'll exit out of this. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know we were doing this. Uh, this is your thing. You don't want to plug your your. Your I already baby? plugged it. You started asking questions and digging into it. Um, uh, here it is a a j uh, a jamie power at a jamie power uh created the um the um uh, he, it can all be called the bastardization of the of the generations poster except with us on it and uh so that was the first thing we posted and it's amazing so feel free art uh jokes about episodes video uh send it all our way and hashtag us if you don't want to use my complicated thing just put hashtag you know what, star trek you know what's truly amazing is andy's on, andy on hiatus andy has only posted five instagram posts what i haven't posted any instagram oh on mine only on, yeah yeah i'm not i do a lot of stories on mine mm. i'm at andrew secunda feel feel free to jump in there if you want to see andrew in typical story mode he'll have glasses on and some sort of blazer and be out it'll be poor lighting yeah but there'll be people around him that's how he Instagram stories. It creates the illusion <laughs> of not a full life, but a semi-life, like a one-quarter impulse power life. You cannot throw a party within a six-friend radius of Andy that he won't show up at. Is that true? Yeah, I think so. I feel like I'm never invited to parties. Oh, but if you know of one, you'll go to it. Oh, yeah. I, I will go if I... If, oh, you're you're saying not, it, not if I'm not invited. You're implying that I'm not invited, but there's just a discussion about a party that I'm showing up to. Oh, I think... No, no, no. I'm implying that if he hears about a party... Oh, yeah. ...that someone has. Yeah. And it's not necessary that uh, he's not invited. Yeah. It could I, just be a discussion of a party. Andy will then find a way to be at the party. I feel like... He likes a party more than I do. There is a subtext the in the subtext way you're phrasing it. The subtext here is you cannot not be at a party. <laughs> your sub- if you hear about a party... I feel like this is... Andy, tell me the truth. If you is, hear about a party, yeah. will you not try to go to the party? If I hear about a party and I'm invited to the party, I will Doesn't go. Doesn't matter Are you if you're invited or not. It's not the question. No, it's not the question. That's, That's not the, the problem. Question. The problem is you're implying that I'm going to weasel my way into a party that I'm not invited to. <laughs> 
hey guys andy's really on this party thing out there have any of you ever experienced like a, a party that like you didn't know andy would anyway be related oh, okay yes that those delayed but uh he, he you know you go to a party you're not even andy might tangentially know three people that might be at the party and then all of a sudden he's at the party have anybody of you experienced this uh-huh Thank you. Okay. I'm the president. <laughs> oh, no, Mr. President, you're I'm not in the, the Admiral's president. Club. Yes, I should you be should in actually, the you know what? Why don't I just go right through here? Come on. There you go. That's, look at this. Yeah. Uh huh. Yes, this is where you belong. Okay, I'm going to let that play. Listen to that. Yep, I'm going out of here. Anyway. Yeah, so, Andy, I'm just saying, you, you, you love a party. I, I do love a party. I would like to be invited to more parties. I will say that. I, I, I would, for the record, in my life, I don't I want to be invited to parties. To a lot, no, I know. Well, this is why it's so. Like, I think that there's a weird. This is this is a good symbol for our relationship. That I think there's part of you that resents me for going out to parties, even though you don't want to be at that party. No, I just don't. I just can't wrap my brain around that 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 life <laughs> i just can't wrap my brain around the party life yeah i as don't a, dispute that as a, as but a, i feel like you're as a grown-ass adult i feel like there's a there's a there's a suggestion of uh of trying to insinuate myself into parties and i don't want to insinuate my, myself into somewhere that i'm not wanted and i probably feel generally speaking like i'm not wanted in that many places oh andy you're always welcome at a party you're a good party goer thank you but you just like parties more than i could imagine i, I don't know that party. i like them i think i'm making an attempt to be social to resist my natural impulses that are very similar to yours truth be told well, I wish you would just go ahead and embrace the real you, which is me. <laughs> I think I'm doing that. I really don't think What I'm an not. overly complicated tale about Andy and parties. What are we doing out here? We're opening up the hell bag. Oh. Captain, we are being hailed. Um, we'll, these, we're going to eventually talk about the episode of the podcast, guys. These are in reference to... Um, um, the I'm going to try and reduce. I've got, I, there are a lot of different perspectives on the hails. FYI, no, there aren't. Okay. Uh, <laughs> some people say less. Some people say more. Who's saying more? A lot of people are well, saying. Who is more. saying more? I, do you want me to dig out all the emails in the? No, because that would be more. I know. That's the thing. <laughs> that's where that's where the the crux is. Oh God, I'm going to run people a poll. on the Facebook group. If you run a, we run polls, right? Yeah, run the polls. I don't want to. Anyway, run my stance is maybe on the bonus podcast we read more, which is something that was suggested both by Matt and by a uh, an outside uh, person. Um, okay, Valer writes us space romans this is in reference to the defector uh because i thought these were interesting comments uh and we we recorded two back to back so we didn't get to hear about this uh dear andy i am a classicist um you questioned a lot of the motives and behavior of jarrock and i think uh, it was the writers trying to define what space romans space romans are supposed to be like uh, the name of their planet and people is based off the mythical founder of Rome, Romulus. They also show a much subtler hand uh, with some things like Jarak's suicide. Suicide was seen as a way for a disgraced person to bring a small bit of honor back to their family and not be a burden. The most subtle is Rome's obsession with claiming all their wars were defensive. I thought this was interesting because um, I was asking about um, Tomalak's uh, motivation. 
Mm-hmm. The Romans would jump through hoops to claim another state was a threat or had broken a treaty so that they were always justified in their wars. They claimed it was to appease their gods, but in reality it was to stop fighting on two fronts by having allies support the attack state. I think uh, this translates onto the screen as the Romulans uh, preparing for a war with Federation and being unwilling to strike the first blow so they don't unite the Alpha Quadrant against them by appearing as the aggressor, which is what happens when the Dominion attacks the Alpha Qua- uh, Quadrant. Oh, spoiler. Uh, thanks for the great podcast. <laughs> um, and then uh, Matthew Gayford writes us, Romulans in history... Hey, Andy, the very name Romulan should be the first clue there. He's talking about them being the Romans and is uh, reinforced by their use of Roman military ranks. Romulans are imperialists and unlike Klingons are less concerned with battle or even war itself than they are with security, prestige and the balance of power. Where Klingons are warriors, Romulans are soldiers. Does this all seem like it adds up to you? Yep. If a 20th century allegory is useful, because we had uh, sort of questioned whether they were like the Nazis and people reacted negatively to that. If a 20th century allegory... Who said they were like the Nazis? I, I don't know. Maybe I was saying it feels like Nazi-like. What? Or maybe I was asking, are they Nazi-like? Like, what happens on Romulus? Like, is there torture or are they hurting people up? Like, what's going on on that planet? I don't know. But I, But I don't know. Um, if a 20th century allegory is useful, uh, then they seem closer to the German Empire, 1871 to 1919, or post-Meiji Restoration Imperial Japan. Sorry if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. 1867 to 1945, then Nazi Germany. Comparisons could even be made with the less commercial and more uh, security and diplomacy-centric elements of the British government at the height of the empire, uh, uh, e.g. the so-called Great Game in Central Asia. Of course, bringing Japan into this analysis makes things awkward since the TOS writers were clearly engaging strongly with very problematic and strongly Orientalist Western assumptions about Japan uh, and the East in general and their development of the honor-bound Klingon warrior culture. As a side note, if you do want to know how a corporatist fascist style uh, alien culture in the Trek universe would look, just wait for the arrival of the... Cardassians. I was trying to prevent myself from saying it like the, the Instagram-driven family. Um, hopefully you won't have too much trouble paying uh, attention then as your favorite. And Sinro will be coming aboard at the same time. I'm so excited about that. She's coming soon, right? She's in season three. So she's in five. Oh. Well, that's a downer. You don't see any Bajorans until, I think, until then. Still loving the podcast, Matt. And then there's a... And a last email, and I will give you this choice, Matt. Yeah. About food stations versus replicators. What? I get a choice of whether or not we're calling no, them no. food stations or replicators. No, it's an e- it's a hail about food stations. We were questioning why summertime it's called food stations and sometimes it's called replicators. Devin James had uh, some thoughts on the distinctions. Hmm. Devin. Your, Devin, your, your fate hangs in the balance. Too. Devin. I gotta be honest with you. <laughs> Might be James Devin, but I think it's J- Devin James. JD or DJ, listen, <laughs> here's the deal. I got a feeling that your explanation is probably something to do with a food station cannot replicate any non edible organic material, something to that effect, and you go to a replicator. A food station can. It's all it's all edible, essentially. Right, and then a replicator is like, "Hey, uh, let's just uh, let's make a a fun uh, plastic container for your phaser." Yeah, 
or a wrench or a tricorder, as he says. Yeah. Um, that's generally Thanks. speaking. Thanks, JD DJ. Is uh, correct. <laughs> correct. Um, so you sort of had your <laughs> your hail red, Devin. Um, or James. Or James. James Devin. Closed, sir. And with that, we close the hails. Record time. We're 21 minutes into this episode, and we're closing the hail bag. That's what it would be like if we pushed more hails into. Wait, that's what podcast. it would be like. Yeah, you read a fuck ton of hails. Oh, well, I guess we'd probably read. Uh, I they were both long, is the thing. I read two hails. <laughs> Guys, here's my thoughts on this. I'd like to just get to the episode. I've thought about splitting this up, like ending this podcast at this point and then starting a different podcast, and they'd have different release days, but that, again, seemed complicated. I was open to that. So, I don't know. I don't know if that's a great idea. And FYI, he tries to set it up so that I'm the person who's slowing it down independently. We're both slowing it down. It's part of the, the, you know, the the vibe of the show. Make your own opinion, listeners. Uh, (laughs) The High Ground aired the week of January 29th, 1990. It's a start date 43510.7. We got uh, some Michael Bolton coming at you, Matt. How am I supposed to live without you? Uh, Was the U.S. favorite... While uh, UK audiences uh, loved Nothing Compares to You by Sinead O'Connor. Oh, that's a shame that we're not listening to that one instead. <laughs> <laughs> All I uh, really How know. Am I supposed to lure out you? Are you it? That song? Yeah, that one. Goes like this, Andy. I bet there's a long instrumental introduction. Oh, it doesn't have to be. I'm going to go to him singing in a chair. There you go. All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten by Robert Fulgram was back on the bestseller list, and Driving Miss Daisy finally broke through to the top of the box office in its seventh week of release. That's amazing. That doesn't happen anymore. Something either succeeds or fails immediately. The trial of Exxon Valdez captain Joseph Hazelwood began for negligence, leading to the second largest domestic oil spill. Uh, He was eventually convicted and fined $50,000. That's it, along with a 1,000-hour sentence of community service. Oh, man. Um, The first McDonald's franchise in Moscow opens, and Time Magazine's cover featured the then-president of the National Rifle Association, Joe Foss, brandishing revolver with the caption, Who is the NRA? A look at America's embattled gun lobby. (laughs) Boy, such a weird time where they were in the news so much back then i know we've come so far huh <laughs> that's depressing it really is so almost depressing. almost every headline we read is, is oh yeah oh we virtually didn't, we didn't like, fix that did we it's like every headline is we should have fixed that but we didn't fix that <laughs> yeah it is oh yeah we were dealing with that 30 years ago <laughs> oh yeah yeah anyway thank you michael bolton for swinging by uh, so here we are at Larry Nemechek's Next Generation uh, Companion, revised edition. This episode is directed by Gabriel Beaumont and written by Melinda Snodgrass. Uh, <clears throat> this is going to take a little while, I think, because it seems... Let's ho- see how long this is. Okay. Do you want me to talk? Larry says, While helping victims of a terrorist bomb blast on a non-aligned Russia 4, Dr. Crush is taken hostage by the terrorists... Uh, Kirill, Kirill Flynn, Finn? Do you remember that? Finn. Finn. Well, I, yeah, okay. So Finn is fighting for the independence of his people, the Ansata. 
aiding the abduction and all their other terrorist acts is a dimensional shift beam, uh, a mostly untraceable technology whose use comes with a high cost. It breaks down body chemistry and is fatal if used too often. Finn plans to keep Crusher for her medical skills and as a bargaining chip to increase Federation pressure on the Russians uh, to settle uh, the conflict with his people. Local police chief Alexana Devos, saddened but steeled to her job, is infuriated when Riker wants to bargain for Crusher. Angered by the medical aid brought by the Rutans? Rutan? Rut- Rutians? I don't remember. Russians? I don't remember. It's either. weird to say Russians because it sounds like I'm mispronouncing Russians. Yeah. Like you're saying Ruskies. Uh, by the Enterprise, Finn leads a raid to bomb its warp chamber. Uh, his plans are foiled by a cool headed LaForge, but the Ansatin leader manages to get away with Picard for a, as a second hostage. After Wesley develops a scan for the dimensional beaming and locates the underground base, the hostages are freed, but not until Devos kills Finn just as he's about to shoot the captain. Devos is coldly defensive. It's better for Finn to die than to live as a prisoner. The crew leaves, thankful for their liberated officers, but sobered by the unlikely prospects for peace anytime soon on the troubled planet. You did it. It was about two minutes. Yeah, it was too long. That's the uh, that's the Matt yawning theme, guys. When I yawn, Andy plays that. If you've never listened to the show before, why are you starting now? For new listeners. <laughs> um, all right, the high ground. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> uh, buckle the buckle up, everybody. <laughs> I will say this: next week, one of my favorite uh, episodes of the series. It's very. I, don't know, I guess I'll get to the overall thing, but it is very interesting that the individual dramatic moments are very well crafted by Melinda Snodgrass but the forward momentum in this episode is almost non-existent I don't even know I mean it's like they're trying to have some sort of moral point but without building any sympathy for these terrorists I have no sympathy oh really I I feel like they represent their perspective reasonably Captain's Log Stardate 43510.7 the Enterprise has put in at Rutia 4 to deliver medical supplies following an outbreak of violent protests. Although non-aligned, the planet has enjoyed a long trading relationship with the Federation. Now, a generation of peace has ended with terrorist attacks by Ansata separatists who are demanding autonomy and self-determination for their homeland on the Western continent. Recreational shore leave has been prohibited, and all away teams have been instructed to beam down armed. What I find hilarious about this is uh, it's, it's such high intensity, and then it reveals Worf just having tea with Beverly. That's I don't understand this moment in such the show. It's like you know, you're not allowed to have uh, shore leave. Everyone beam down armed. You can have fucking tea up on the bridge. Like you can have tea on the Enterprise. Go to ten forward. You want to sit and have a drink? Yeah. Why are you beaming down to this dangerous planet? <laughs> Yeah, I agree. Where there's, like, police all around. It's in a police state, essentially. I guess you could justify that uh, Beverly is there because she was overseeing the delivery of the medical supplies. Yes, now they've been delivered, being back aboard the ship, Doctor. That is true. And also, Worf is the one that's really, just even character-wise, I'm like, he is, why is he even, he would never be chill in that kind of environment. 
Right. It should almost be Worf coming over to Data and and Crusher. Oh, this is the reason. In the script, it says exterior Plaza Day establishing. Who directed this episode? Uh, Gabriel Beaumont. <laughs> Did you just make that up? No. Okay. Um, um, and it says uh, Plaza Day establishing shops, a cafe, people strolling, a modern community. Beverly, Data, and Worf are walking through the plaza. So... Um, oh, and it says Beverly says we've still got a few minutes before our next meeting. Worf scans the plaza. Everything seems calm. So Melinda Snodgrass isn't even responsible. She wrote it right. Worf is scanning the plaza. He's on high alert. They're walking around to their next meeting. And what happened, I'm sure, was that there was a production reason why it's like, you can't have a moving shot. We can't be following them walking. We just want them to be seated and then have data come up. And you know what? That's weird. <laughs> You made a weird choice. I don't know if it was the director or if it was somebody else, but uh, you didn't solve that problem right. Only a few minutes before our next meeting, Doctor. It's all right. We're finished. Waiter. Those of you listening to that very loud explosion, I did not mean to play. Uh, She rushes over. There's people hurting this explosion outside this, uh, what I would call, future mall. I hope nobody with PTSD heard that. this area. Everyone out of the Doctor, I believe it would be prudent to return to the Enterprise. There are physicians on this planet. You are not here. I am. Doctor. It's the only time in the history of medical bullshit on Star Trek that they don't say beam directly to sickbay. <laughs> It's true. Like beam these three people directly to sick. Why do they not do that? To not get further involved? There's no reason? Oh, because it wouldn't serve this terrible story. Oh, I see. Well, what do you mean? It's it's a classic case of exactly what I was talking about last week. Yeah. Whatever suits the fucking moment. Right. Whatever suits the story. Right. Don't establish protocol and then ignore protocol. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Thank you. You rankled some feathers last week, FYI. Did I? Uh, you know, a lot, it's it's always a ama- that should be in the hails. Oh, I you want? I I feel like you always not get- a fucking email about the defector which aired Whoa. two weeks ago. Whoa, take it down a notch, bro. <laughs> um, I I was uh, do- I Andy, was you're hopeless. I was you're pitching hopeless. a thing. I'm hopeless. I can't I'm pitching- keep doing this podcast if he will not <laughs> learn how to do a podcast. You know what, guys? I'm doing my own podcast. Guys, you know I'm what breaking I'm talking up. about over here? I'm talking about you all Andy know that doing the, weird, the weird Romulan choices. stuff. Weird what choices. is he talking about in that do you think sounds, that he? That sounds, do you think that he... That you know chilled. what? Force field. You know, I think that he thinks that if he reads enough hails, he'll be invited to parties. Okay, back to Andy. I didn't yawn. <laughs> you didn't. You did in terms of what the audience is thinking. <laughs> um... I didn't. Uh, 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 wh- wh- oh, oh, the the uh, I, the reason I don't read those is because I feel like you get uh, you get grumpy when people when I read the negative hails. You want me to read all the negative hails? I'll be happy to do it. No, it's a Matt standard defense or whatever. What is it called? Matt prime corrective? Wouldn't that be a prime? Corrective the Matt standard defense is for just uh, whatever, <laughs> just technical issues. Well, I have a technical issue about protocol. There has been an incident. A bomb has been detonated by Ansata terrorists. I mean, There's first of all, Data's already jumping to a conclusion. Uh-huh. What if it was a gas explosion? Who knows? The fact that Data's already labeling it Ansata terrorism, yeah. I think is a little out of character for Data. Uh, I agree with you. Okay. Status. 
vulnerable, sir. Transporter room three, lock onto the away team, prepare to beam them back. Yes, Captain. Sir, I've recommended such a course, but there are several wounded, and Dr. Crusher is insisting on attending to I understand. The card to Dr. Crusher. Go ahead. Doctor, Commander Data has informed me of your situation. I already know what you're going to say. Doctor, will you at least allow me to... The longer we argue, the longer it's going to take me to say... Doctor, you are endangering yourself and the away team. Captain, I'm trying to put life back into a wounded body with sleight of hand. They're not going anywhere. Data and Worf don't have to stay. Crusher out. I like this moment. Transporter room, do you have a lock on the away team? Aye, sir. Shall I transport them? <laughs> that would have been awesome. I don't want to be in the transporter room to greet her. Commander Data, hold your position until the Rutian medics arrive. Aye, sir. That's a great moment for Picard. Just like, uh, like. The he knows the right thing to do is be seeing Beverly back. Or be like, hey. Beverly, I have an idea. <laughs> what if we beam everybody, we to, sick everybody to sick bay? <laughs> yeah. It's not like, I mean, it's they're not a pre-warp civilization. You're not like ruining the prime directive beaming them aboard. But is, aren't you interfering more in a political situation if you beam She's them? She's already there you? using her yeah. medical yeah, tricorder it's valid. It's valid. and spinny salt shaker thing. Wait down there, Okay, guys, that other loud noise was uh, one of these skunk-haired gentlemen. This is their thing, this this alien race. They're only differentiated by a streak of gray in their hair. Yeah. Like Get out of the way! You don't understand. Uh, now, Worf and Data are very confused. <laughs> yeah. I will say, generally speaking... Everybody in this show, generally, outside of just sort of battle tactics between ships, has terrible hand-to-hand phaser battle tactics. Like, every situation is just like, what? Why are those people just standing there? Why are they pointing their guns and not firing? Why are they, like, why is nobody taking cover? Like, everybody except for Space Jason Bourne in the last episode. Space and Bourne? Space and Bourne. Good branding. transporter would leave residual ionization in the air. Our tricorder readings found no trace after the incident. People don't just appear and disappear. There must be some way to track her. He's right. We've been unable to detect a signal from her communicator. Either it has been deactivated or she is being held in a shielded location. Why her? Sir, I believe she was the intended target of the abduction. Why would they want to take a Federation hostage? Their fight doesn't involve us. It does now. Close up, Worf's mouth watering. <laughs> <laughs> yes, battle. Uh, so then we meet uh, this guy who just seems like he should be appearing on an episode of Night Court as one of the plaintiffs. Kirill Finn. You hungry? You want something to eat? Doesn't matter to me. You want to be hungry? Be hungry. What's your name? No name given. Likely they will take Stoic Dr. Crusher. This is Richard Cox as this guy. Been in a bunch of things. I actually thought he was really good in this episode. Um, but there are a couple of lines he says that um, I was just like, uh, it's a New Yorker. <laughs> he says, uh, 
they are the ones that are killing your son, not me. And he was, and then I looked it up. I was like, that guy's got to be a New Yorker. And he was born in New York. FYI. Andy, I love when a New York accent slips in to Star Trek. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Think of the episode of Piece of the Action. Yeah. Well, they were the oh, Chicago mob. Yeah. Chicago, that's true. Bargaining chip. Bargaining chip? The innocent often become pawns in conflicts of this type, Wes. You see, the Ansata separatists have been trying for generations to free themselves from the rule of the Eastern continent. And if they can get the government just to acknowledge their demands, then kidnapping your mother will have served its purpose. I think that's what they may be after, but it may not. Frankly, Wesley, I don't care. My only concern is to get your mother back. And very shortly, we shall be leaving to have a meeting with the authorities. Request permission to be on the OA team, sir. No. You have an important job to do here. If we are to free your mother, then we have to be able to trace the movements of the terrorists. I want you to work with the team that are investigating this new technology of theirs. I understand. Report to Mr. Data. Dismissed. Um, you know, fun angle on board the ship with Wesley there. Yeah. Having to deal with the situation. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know. This is a little heavy handed, I think, this episode. Yeah. A lot of people had written in and said that about the, um, the hunted also. That it was heavy handed about Vietnam vets. <laughs> well, I mean, I think a lot of sci-fi is heavy-handed. It's sort of by by design. By design, right? it's supposed to like you know deal with issues that people don't want to deal with uh, regular storytelling. So they use science fiction to dress it up and make it a space story. Um, you know where I think it becomes heavy-handed. Uh, it, like I like that they sort of are presenting both the um, both the the uh, whatever. I don't know what the politically correct terms are for both sides of this equation. Um, the government and the terrorists? Well, the, the terrorists, you're making a political evaluation of no, them. No, no, we're calling them by what they're called in the script. Well, at this point in the script, then later he, they refer, you know, the, the, Carol's uh, suggestion is that they're freedom fighters. Whatever the case, whatever those two sides are, I feel like they represent them pretty reasonably and they're clearly drawing a million parallels and they even mention them it's 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 a whole other ball game because like it's not i don't know like you know they the general washington uh analogy they draw is false that is definitely false but the the irish in the sense of like the um you know it's an army fighting an army it's an army of militia versus an army right of the yeah British that, it doesn't yeah it doesn't count at all she she'd known anything about history she could have disputed that immediately it's so crazy to me. anyway exactly. my main point is i feel like the the sides are broken down in a very interesting uh well um written way i just think we just spent too much time on all of it with no forward story movement like this is just scene after scene of this description of like well, the this two is sort sides of what happened last week it was scene after scene of of sp- of the chasing chase but this is the interesting thing is they both have opposite problems like last week i enjoyed it because it had it was all this awesome action and you were like we're not moving the story forward and in like in terms of thematically and in this one it's all theme and we never get to any really that much action it's not even good theming is ansata policy with regard to hostages i doubt if they have one they don't usually take hostages these are not people we're dealing with here. They're animals. Fin- Classic Trump t- 
talking about immigrants. Yeah. <laughs> Six who kill without remorse or conscience. Who think nothing of murdering innocent people. But they could just as easily have shot her where she stood. Don't ask me to explain them. I can't. The atrocities that I've seen. And now they have this new device that makes them even more deadly. How do I combat an enemy that fails to register on any scanner until they're literally standing in front of you, pointing a phaser at your head? What can you tell us about this device? Not much, really. They first started using it two months ago. We've taken several of these off dead terrorists. It's like, why not, if if you have this ability to interdimensionally jump, why not interdimensionally jump and do more... Do more interdimensional fun stuff. No, I mean like take the what the president of this planet. Oh, that's a really good like, point. Just, just yeah, they can interdimensionally get, jump into the office. Like they could go into this office. They could right get now. this woman interdimensionally jump yeah, into this office. That's a really. And good if you want to kill everybody, then do it. Yeah. Don't waste my fucking time with a terrible episode of Star Trek. Yeah, they've become all powerful, and there's there's no reason. They I mean, they have take Crusher won. because they're getting sick. Yeah. That I understand. Sure. That's an interesting and fine motive for me. Yeah. But like the whole idea that like they can do this dimensional shifting and they have been doing this dimensional shifting like i mean well you know where that's revealed is when they pop up to the enterprise later and i'm just like oh they can just do that that's like they're kind of they are more powerful than these any security or any counter i mean the the enterprise is lucky to sort of uh, fend them off um and it kind of illustrates i think why it's why it bothered me subconsciously is what you're saying it's just like oh that's too powerful if, it was, if it's that powerful then how come they haven't already won well it's just like even like being having having a transporter where they don't have a train they can't it's like crazy like go take the leader of this you want to negotiate with that leader go grab that leader yep and you, maybe you don't want to go kill him yep being dimension jump in dimension jump out i agree it's so dumb our people have looked at them, nothing they can explain. Do you mind if we take one of these with us and have our people study it? Not at all. And I'll put you in touch with our research people, if you wish. I appreciate your help. Perhaps if we found ourselves in possession of some of that advanced Federation weaponry of yours, it would shift the balance of power back to our favor. Of course, you know that is out of the question. Yes, of course. I would like to leave Commander Riker here to assist in your search for Dr. Crusher. If you like. You don't sound very optimistic. I know my enemy, Commander. They don't leave much room for optimism. Or treats. What? But they can dimensionally jump into this office right now. If they wanted to, but they haven't because of the script. Anyway, back to Beverly. On Rutia. I need somebody better. Rutia. That's how it's pronounced. you were with the Federation Rutia. flagship, and Good I work, knew you Matt. had to be. Who told you that? I heard. Now you'll help me just like you helped them. What are you talking about? Your ship carries medical supplies for them, for the other side. Why does the Federation Alliance for them? the Rutia? For them. <laughs> don't. All we did was bring the... Medical supplies. People were hurt. I know. I hurt them. <laughs> we gotta get this guy in a buddy picture with uh, Biff Yeager. <laughs> finished eating. Get up. Yeah, finished eating. 
like I don't the, the, my, his motives like I don't it doesn't matter how many times they try to like humanize this cause or whatever it just doesn't track for me what do you mean he's saying that they're being oppressed and uh, and they're not uh, yeah and they're not listening to their their to his mind reasonable demands 70 years ago what do you mean like this whole thing this whole thing started 70 years before right right, right. like many of the world's stupid conflicts sure but like at this point it just seems like he's i think that they're now no longer reasonable who who these these because they haven't given us uh, no, because they're bombing school children. <laughs> well, they said that was a mistake. But a teenager set off the bomb. So the teenager is going to be on the bus and see that it's full of school children and go, wait a second, this isn't a, I got to go. But instead he decides to blow it up anyway. This is what I'm well, saying. You don't this know what the details were of that I do. I know what issue. they tell me. I know what they tell You're me. You're such an imperialist pig. <laughs> <laughs> I wish the crown were still under our what? <laughs> Uh, come help my sick people. I need some instruments from my ship in order to diagnose this. You think if I allow you to contact your ship, they will transport the instruments? When I inform the captain how serious the situation is, I'm sure he'll agree. <coughs> I've told you, Finn, the Federation is not allied with the Routians. We're here on an errand of mercy. And since the Federation does not wish to take sides, they will send the supplies that you need. Absolutely. Anticipated your needs. These are Federation supplies. The ones we had delivered to the medical dispensary. I heard. <sighs> well, just keep moving forward. We'll be through it eventually. No survivors. <laughs> Oh, so this is, uh, this is, now we're on... 70 years ago, we denied them independence. That gave them a noble cause. Now there you it's go, just Matt. They denied them independence. You hate them as much as they hate you. Believe it or not, I always considered myself moderate. What changed your mind? <sighs> Being stationed here for six months, watching the body count grow. The three assassination attempts on my life. That'll change your point of view. The event that really opened my eyes took place only a few days after my arrival. A terrorist bomb destroyed a shuttle bus. Sixty school children. There were no survivors. The Ansada claimed that it was a mistake. That their intended target was a police transport. As if that made everything all right. There you go. It was a mistake. That day I vowed that I would put an end to terrorism in this city. And I will. Because they haven't thought to just snatch me with their interdimensional transport. Because they're dumb. And there's nothing more dangerous than a dumb terrorist. And I say they're dumb because they're not using their interdimensional bullshits for the things that they should be using them for. All right, relax on the terrorists. They're doing the best they can. There are risks the designers told us, but it works. You're showing the same distorted readings. Not as severe as the others, but... It doesn't matter. It does if it kills you. 
Don't you know? A dead martyr's worth ten posturing leaders. I thought that was smart. Mm-hmm. And that he's, uh, you know, that he's he's indifferent at this point to life or death. Which makes him dangerous. I know. Hey, guys, come here. Jordy, why don't you come here? <laughs> Look at this. There's two of us. The Rudian team picked up a faint nuclear vibration during the terrorist movements. Nuclear vibration? That could possibly indicate subspace transition rebound during transport. Wait a minute, wait a minute. May I? Hmm. Computer, call up the files on... What was his name? We spent two hours on him in astral physics last year. Uh, folded space transport. Yes, sorry. It smells weird in here? Like what? Is it me? Is it Andy? Am I doing it? Should we get Andy out of here? Andy, I, you're going to have to go. I rolled around in cabbage just before I got here. Trans- Is that it? Yes. Are you referring to the Elway theorem? Yes, computer, call up the files on the Elway theorem. John Elway, football player, 20th century Earth. What if it was a John the Elway, Elway theorem? The Elway theorem proved to be entirely inaccurate. All research was abandoned by the mid-23rd century. Car the dealer. Data, look, the nuclear vibrations are the same, and Elway used a model similar to this. It would certainly be untraceable by any standard method of detection. But it was proven to be fatal. Hello, to I'm the captain. I'm here now. would be an irrational act. We're maybe dealing with irrational people, Data. Is there a way to trace this? With an adaptive subspace echogram? Maybe. Captain. (laughs) Is there a way to trace this? With the exact thing that can trace this? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Possibly. You mean with a... No, I don't know what I mean. We don't see that Jordy goes for a high five from the captain, and the captain doesn't give it to him in that moment. (laughs) Um, I do like... Yeah, go ahead, I do like that... uh, I like how they handle uh, Wesley figuring it out, and I like that, uh, that of course, Data has the information in his brain, but he doesn't think about it because he's like, well, why would a human ever put themselves in that kind of physical danger, you know, intentionally? And I kind of like this, so it didn't even occur to him yeah. that people would be willing to sacrifice themselves like that. Would suffer significant internal damage that could be detected. It sounds as though they may require the services of a doctor. <laughs> I remember watching that while I was doing the dishes and, and thinking to myself, that's one of those lines that they just wrote down in the first draft and just it just stayed. <laughs> There's another much. one, too, where Data, he, Picard says that Data is acting human. Yeah. And I just imagined them all high-fiving each other. <laughs> Look, uh, you can't. You got to, what it was. You got twenty six season. How many? How many? Uh, are we still doing twenty six episodes a season at I this point? So, I think so. Yeah. Jesus. And like, well, here's the, that now, is a lot. Now, FYI, it's Finn, usually twenty two. This Finn character, I'm supposed to soften because he draws hands. Like, is that what I'm telling? Is that what they're telling me by this hand drawing situation? Yeah, sensitive. It's okay. Over there. Sorry. Are you though? A little. Disagree. You should be drawing, not killing people. I can do both. How can you have such a casual attitude toward killing? I take my killing very seriously, Doctor. Doctor. You are an idealist. I live in an ideal culture. There's no need for your kind of violence. We've proven that. 
Your origins on Earth are from the American continent, are they not? North America. Yes, I've read your history books. This is a war for independence, and I am no different than your own George Washington. Washington was a military general, not She's, a terrorist. She calls it up. The difference between generals and terrorists, Doctor, is only the difference between winners and losers. You no, it's the difference between attacking and killing civilians and not attacking and killing civilians. It's a false argument, sir. It's a ridiculous argument. And I understand that there are military atrocities that occur everywhere. Uh, and uh, to those cultures, it's it's different. But, like, you know, just the... It was different. It was a different time. The Revolutionary War was a different time. Mm-hmm. They sent out armies and a bunch of guys grabbed muskets and became an army. Okay. Like, I just don't like the false... I don't like the false... Uh, it wasn't a good choice for the... For the uh, for the guy to make for the alien uh, for the alien with the who had read history books of the United Pepe States. Le Pew <laughs> um, haircut to uh, to make you're called a general you lose you are killing innocent people can't you see the immorality of what you're doing or have you killed so much you've become blind to it how much innocent blood has been spilled for the cause of freedom in the history of your federation, doctor. How many good and noble societies have bombed civilians in war, have wiped out whole cities? And now that you enjoy the comfort that has come from their battles, their killing, you frown on my immorality? I thought this was valid. To die for my freedom, doctor. And in the finest tradition of your own great civilization, I'm willing to kill for it too. The utopia of the federation was probably built on a lot of questionable acts well i mean look at we ended the second world war by bombing a civilian city uh two of them okinawa and hiroshima there you go um all right you can go thank you <laughs> i love the look that the guy <laughs> the guy gives him like uh, want, after he leaves, no. just like oh boy, would I like to have one line in this scene? <laughs> just walks out. Responsibility. Your people have terms. We're willing to listen. We want her back. It's as simple as that. I don't think it's necessary to detain this gentleman any longer. Get out. I should have him followed, but we'll try it your way. Is that what now this guy's... I don't know how they use this interdimensional uh, thingamajiggy, but now it'd be a great time. Pop yeah. in there, take her, her, take, take Riker. Riker. Yeah. What I want is to go home, back to my own country, to leave behind the roundups, the interrogations. The bodies lying in the street. To be able to walk without the bodyguards. And not to have to jump at every unexpected noise. That's what I want, Riker. You can come to the Enterprise if you want. I got a pretty big bed. A dimensional and jump can weird blinds that look out on the hallway. Captain. By setting up a magnetosphere echogram that can monitor each of their movements, we may be able to collect enough data to trace their power source. Can you estimate the number of jumps it would take? 
I said my own name. Dimensional shifting is such an unstable procedure, sir, that I cannot say. Sir, I'm finding it difficult to understand many aspects of Ansata conduct. Much of their behavioral norm would be defined by my program as unnecessary and unacceptable. Mm -hmm. By my program as well, Data. But if that is so, Captain, why are their methods so often successful? I've been reviewing the history of armed rebellion, and it appears that terrorism is an effective way to promote political change. Yes, it can be. But I have never subscribed to the theory that political power flows from the battle of a gun. Yet there are numerous examples when it was successful. The independence of the Mexican state from Spain, the Irish unification of 2024, and the Kenzie Rebellion. Look out, Ireland. It's coming. It's accurate to say that terrorism is acceptable when all options for peaceful settlement have been foreclosed. Data, these are questions that mankind has been struggling with throughout history. Your confusion is only human. We did it, everyone. We can go home for the night. I mean, the main issue is the, in that scene for me is just like, yeah, we, we've covered this part. <laughs> Let's make something else happen. That's all we've done is cover this part over uh-huh. every scene. Listen, every scene we've just watched from the point that Beverly gets taken. Yeah. Other than them trying to track scenes of them trying to track the tech. Yeah. Every scene is about the morality of either side. I feel like in the best Star Trek episodes, the theme is drawn very lightly as they're gathering information or as they're dealing with, you know, larger and larger um dangerous issues or whatever. And then and then the speech comes at the end with the resolution of the theme. Whereas here, everybody's talking about the theme constantly. Mm. Yeah, each each scene is ha- has characters in it who want to discuss the theme of the episode. <laughs> exactly. Like it's like every scene. No one's doing their job really, no. uh, except for Wesley and one guy coming up and uh, LaForge. That's right. But like it's crazy to me. Ironically, Wesley should be discussing the motivations the most. Yeah. Character motivation-wise, that should be what he's doing. That actually would make more sense coming from him than from Data. But it's like, I don't know. But then also, like, I think Will is too old at this point to play that role of, like, child, inquisitive child. Yeah, he knows. I have a life, Finn. I have a son who needs me. Is your son on the ship? Yes. I'm sorry, he's on the ship. See, he's human. They have joined forces with the Lutians against us. They are not your enemy. They are more valuable to me than an enemy. For 70 years, we have shouted and no one has heard us. Destroy the Federation flagship, someone will listen. Please. They are the ones who interfered. They are the ones who sent medical supplies. They are the ones who organized mass arrests. They are killing your son, not me. There it is. They are killing your son, not me. It's it's so... I just don't know. I don't know. This is ridiculous, this episode. Please, Finn, don't do this. I will do anything you ask. I had a son, too. Can you get this gray hair out of my head? <laughs> is that a medical problem? when he died in detention. I feel like I look so old. I'm not that old. 
I had a son once. He was an active terrorist and died in detention. <laughs> but now I'm supposed really, to feel like really down on these. I'm supposed these to people. feel. I'm supposed to feel sympathy there. Look, I'm not. I'm no terrorist sympathizer, but uh, I feel like they are at least uh, drawing out the uh, their perspective. You know, definitely <laughs> blowing up the Enterprise is a questionable move. <laughs> Security engineers. They have uh, interdimensionally shifted onto the Enterprise. FYI, a a ballpark of 27-22 into the episode, there is some hilarious, terrible extract. (laughs) Oh, and they're walking around the corridor corner? Yeah, the person shoots them, and then one of them overacts the fall, and the other one uh, runs away like, oh, dearie me. (laughs) I think that she runs away as I would. Well, if I saw a person yeah. rip open a dimension, <laughs> yeah, we're not in Starfleet though. She's a, she's a science officer though. We've established in the last episode that everyone is trained uh, uh, with some sort of military training. Wow. Seal off all decks. Lock on transporters to the intruder signals. Intruder signals unstable, Captain. I cannot lock on. They are moving interdimensionally. Neither transporters nor force fields will contain them, sir. Setting the bombs in the engine room. Uh, the bomb has a digital counter, which is already at zero. <laughs> Time works differently in the future. Interdimensionally. Charge on the main warp chamber. Transporter room three. Lock on to the explosive device and energize. It's scrambling the sensors, Captain. I can't pinpoint it. Begin emergency evacuation. Stand by for source of separation. Mr. LaForge, can you remove the charge from the engine core? I'm trying. Hold on. They've got it locked on somehow. Stand by. I gotta get a tool. I wonder what the tool is that he gets it off with. It's a demagnetizer. <laughs> I've decided. <laughs> sure. Transporter room. Lock on my signal and stand by to transport two kilometers off the starboard nade south. <laughs> You're just trying to save yourself, you La- LaForge. Transporter room now. <laughs> you missed the moment where Troy goes, his signal? I know. And then well, Picard's like, I can't even entertain you I right know. now. <laughs> I know. He's obviously not asking to be beamed out with it. Mr. LaForge, report. It's unnecessary. Transport complete, Captain. See. I have a man down. More dimensional ships, sir. You know what I thought Captain after this moment? What? I thought, somebody's getting an MVC. Yeah. <sighs> I don't think it was disputed by the end of the episode, but we'll see. <laughs> I was really impressed. No, sir, the readings are... And then he's doing this heavy... Uh, hang on, someone's delivering something. Matt's going to get a present from somebody, I'm guessing. Somebody probably gave him flowers. Let's see what it is. Oh. While he's gone. Uh, you know, the the length of these episodes is all on him. It's not on me. Here he's come back. Shh. What'd you get, Matt? Ooh, you got a pot? They all say Dory on them, so. No, I'm sorry. That's okay. Anyway, back to the Enterprise. Is this when Picard punches out the guy? Yeah, and also, like, this guy looks hurt. <sighs> he's doing some hurt acting when he when he transports in. I guess he's trying to indicate that he's being The medical problem is starting up. Right, yeah. 
yet no one else who, uh, I do like a good old-fashioned punch. Is that the first Picard punch in the entire series? Uh, I don't, I don't last, remember. first one I remember. Security! Code one emergency! Security! No one goes to help. Like, Data, by the way, who's the android, who moves faster than anybody on there and is stronger than anybody on there, moves so slowly over to Captain Picard that he's able to be transported out. Yeah. This is, again, convenient writing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, where was he? Data, data goes down and does almost a comical, like, what? oh, darn. Yikes. Riker's not going to be happy about this. <laughs> Riker gave me that speech that he gives everyone when he leaves, which is watch out for the captain. All right, so Picard's taken. And back on the bridge. I did love Picard decking a guy. Another millisecond, there'd have been a big dust cloud orbiting Rudy instead of the Enterprise. Also, constantly training Klingon warrior Worf just get shot immediately. (laughs) Well, in in fairness, he got a shot off. Does he? Does he kill somebody? He gets her. He he hits her with a phaser. All right, I stand corrected. I just asked if they would talk. You have your answer, Riker. Sir, the next time the Ansada use their dimensional jump, we should be able to get a fix on the power source. Wolf went down. I don't know if he's alive or dead. And there were other casualties. Was Wes on the bridge? Yes. He took cover. I didn't see any more than that. But you were all right, though. Yes, they needed a doctor. Uh Side effects of the transport. Yes. We're getting closer to tracing their movements. Actually, it was Wesley who put us on to this dimensional jump of theirs. He has been extraordinary. You know what it is? They're not drawing up any sort of unreasonable tactics from the other side for me to see any sort of meaning like the uh, the police force there uh-huh. like if they'd showed the police force like roughing up these people or right. I agree with or this. torturing these people I or totally agree. anything like that then I would be more like there are two sides to this story but like right now the way they've drawn this out it's like uh, they're just committing acts against most uh, uh, to a good degree civilians and, and, a, and a seemingly peaceful police force <laughs> yeah that is like and, it's crazy and it's implied and frankly even other than the freedom of that uh, of the other territories, which you could argue is the entire thing. Um, it's not even mentioned, I don't think. Although, she, I guess it's implied in that she says, basically, when they're interrogating the guy, you want me to go further with the interrogation, basically implying, do you want me to start torturing him? And they don't really... They should have shown it. Yeah, I agree. Something. Yeah. It's going to make a very fine officer. He's had good role models. Now, I like this moment, and let me ask you, are they implying that she's both complimenting Picard I'm and kind of going, the other ship. role model is the f- is his father, who Picard is semi-responsible for his death? I don't think she's layering that in with it. I think she's, yes, she's, yes, referring to Jack Crusher as well as Jean-Luc Picard. I don't think she's layering in the, and you killed him. Well, he kind of looks down. Like in almost You're guilty way. That's not there. 
I say take a look at that moment, people. You decide for yourself. Without my permission. If you don't follow orders. If you give reasonable orders, I'd obey. Doctor, I will be the judge of what is reasonable. (laughs) What are we doing? There aren't any exits to the surface. So the only way out is by the transporter. Or the dimensional jump. A mode of travel I'd encourage you to avoid. It's killing them. They're mad. I don't know anymore. When? When did that happen? When did she... When did that shift happen in her character? What's that? He says they're mad. And then she goes, I don't know anymore. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. After, like, the last scene that we saw her, she was pleading with the guy not to go blow up her son. Well, maybe she was just presenting that to him. A madman and a committed man willing to die for a cause. It's all become blurred over the last few days. Beverly, I don't have to remind you of the psychological impact of being a hostage. I know, I understand that. But he's so handsome. Their leader, Finn... He's not what you'd expect. He sounds oh, like he's from New York. not what I would expect. Without cause or reason, he and his little band of outlaws have attacked my ship. But he did have reasons. The medical supplies, the arrests. Jean-Luc, if we really examined our role in all this... We Beverly, would... you were arguing for a man who may have murdered your son. I didn't kill your son, Beverly. I just tried to. We weren't able to destroy the ship. We had to settle for him. For him. She wouldn't even tell me your name. I call her Doctor. You have made a grave miscalculation. Oh? You have assaulted a Federation starship, killed and wounded several members of her crew, kidnapped two of her officers, and you don't expect a response? On the contrary, I'm counting on it. You want Federation involvement? Captain, Federation has a lot to admire in this. But there's a hint of moral cowardice in your dealings with non-aligned planets. You're doing business with a government that is crushing us, and you say you're not involved. The 200 people (laughs) that are blowing up civilians. This is like, I just don't understand his... (sighs) Whatever. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, he's... It's not like there's a full other half of the continent, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's like a little cell. Well, the amount of people isn't necessarily r- relevant. I thought they were implying that there was a huge territory. No. It's just small. Well, there is a huge territory, but there's only 200 people fighting for it. Right, but the territory itself is larger. Who knows? I have no idea. Much involved. They didn't even show us a map. Show us a map. Paint a picture. <laughs> you just don't want to get dirty. You accuse us of cowardice while you plant bombs in shadows. I am fighting the only war that I can against an intractable enemy. Now I'm fighting a big war against a more powerful adversary. Can't you see how that helps me? I'm afraid I can't. He's added another chair to the negotiating table. You added the chair, Captain. I am simply forcing you to sit in it. The Federation will quickly tire of our little war. They'll want you back. They will want to get as far from Rutia as they can. And I will not make it easy. Eventually, the Federation will force the government into making concessions. And then a few more, and then a few more. 
until we can finally reach an honorable agreement that saves face for all sides. Except we win. You understand, I will not cooperate with you in any way. You've already cooperated, Captain. Just by coming here. I, I didn't come here, I was brought here. But never mind, forget it. <laughs> Oh, he beamed down. And then she, he chooses to like, oh, he, he chooses to go to right. Troy. Just hear what. Like, does he happen? Does he luck into Troy? Does he try to go to Troy? Like, what is his move here? Does he just decide to go to a corridor and talk to the first person he sees? What if he runs into Mott the barber? Like, I mean, come on. <laughs> he doesn't know who the fuck he's talking to. I'm not qualified Sorry. to. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> Your people are safe. How long they stay that way depends on you. We demand an embargo and trade sanctions levied against Rutia. The Federation will blockade the planet. No ships will be allowed in or out. This will continue until the government of Rutia consents to talks mediated by a Federation council. You have 12 hours to make your decision. We passage is leading to the surface. Our readings show no evidence of any commander. Any light they have must be artificially generated. If we could shut that down, you could use the confusion to find your people. Request permission to join the rescue party, sir. We're okay. Permission granted. You have the bridge, Mr. Data? Aye, sir. Commander? Good luck. We'll bring him home, Wes. Do you have anything to add, Andy? No. <laughs> I really don't. That's how like... good this episode is. Yeah. Your places would never be reversed. He would never forcibly abduct you or play games with your life. He would treat you with respect. I've treated you with respect. You've scared the hell out of me, Finn. You've controlled me through fear, just like you've tried to control this whole continent. You haven't tasted real fear yet, Doctor. Is that the best you can do? Is fear the only weapon you have? Hey, here's an interesting element in the no, script. Interior. Mm-hmm. Interior cabin. Finn walks over as Beverly treats the wounded. He's carrying a sketch pad. You're glad to see your captain. I'll do it. You're glad to see a captain. Beverly says, yes, beat. He looks at her. Almost a jealous look. I may have to kill him. She just freezes. I just wanted to warn you. Uh, so I think I may have to kill him is there. Uh, but uh, the jealous look, that's interesting subtext. That's the subtext that's brought on by this picture. By the, uh, oh, the drawing of her. I don't know. I feel like it wasn't underlined in that moment. <laughs> I like how you see things that aren't there and things that are there you don't see <laughs> what is it i'm seeing that's not there uh the jack crusher of it all oh see i feel like the I'm blame on him in that moment which is not what's happening it says an intimate moment but i bet you there's something <laughs> it gives me to think that you might win this fight and gain real power doctor I I don't want you to fear me. 
you ever been to Greenwich Village? What about St. Mark's Place for a nice warm cider? Right. One of these drawings of you is with your season one hair. I'm sorry, <laughs> but the guy in production was looking at a still from that season. Then the Federation beams down with three police officers instead of taking an away team of, I don't know, 60. <laughs> they don't even bring a full complement of security officers. Well, that's an ongoing issue. It's just like, it's, that's just a production problem. We have problem. like uh, three extras right now, so what do you want to dress them in? I don't know, two cops, a couple of Federation? Uh, we can't? Okay. Well, then two cops it is. <laughs> I don't hold them responsible for that part. They blow, uh, they blow the power thingy, uh, confusing everyone. And then uh, they have this moment with Riker and Crusher. I don't want you to start thinking about Beverly, this is our obligation to think of escape. He's prepared to kill you. An excellent reason to escape. Do you think you've gained his confidence? The script says he's into me. Look at these drawings. They're all me. You have. You've never drawn me. Good Good going, Beverly. Jean-Luc. There are some things I want to tell you in case we don't get out of this. I wonder what this is going to be. Have they found us? Love. Was it? Sandor! Someone was named Sandor in the uh, looping. So then, like, he comes just to what? To kill Picard? Why? Uh, he's not. I thought. I, yeah, I guess what is his plan? I guess that killing Picard would bring the Federation in more. Bring the Federation in what? If he kills Picard, then he's killed a... But a, they're there. What do you mean? They've beamed down. I know, but they're not... So his state of emergency now... They're now not... Now they're all caught. They're not in, in, inexorably entwined in the, in the political struggle. But if he kills a Federation captain, then they are. The Federation is. Hmm. I mean, I don't think they're getting out of there alive. Well, I think he's, he, he, he understands that. That's why he's like, all right, at least I'll kill this captain and the Federation will be pulled into this. But then if we don't get out of this alive, no one's left. <laughs> well, oh, you're saying in this whole, I think his thought is there will always be people that rise up. Just got shot in the back, overacting, overacting, down. He's dead. Jim. You didn't have to kill him. Didn't I? <laughs> I wish she just went, whoops. <laughs> As a prisoner, he would have been a focus for violence. As his followers tried to free him. Now he's a martyr. But the death toll might go down, at least in the short term. It's an imperfect solution for an imperfect world. Rekha. No more killing.
kid is going to shoot somebody. Then he looks scared and disappointed that he doesn't have a line. The stormtroopers take him away. Future cops? Future cops. All future cops had pants like that. It never ends. He could have killed you. He didn't. Maybe the end begins with one boy putting down his gun. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe. I guess you've really turned me around on this after 70 years of conflict. We did it. We're here. Look at how happy everybody is. They don't have to deal with that stupid planet and all their friggin' internal conflicts. I hear I owe my rescue to you. I was just part of the team. We should talk at the funeral for those three crewmen that died. Both of you, sir. Take us out of orbit, Mr. Crusher. Now we gotta get back to work. Mm. That boss is looking at us. At your convenience. (laughs) Oh, boy. Isn't it swell to be in the first world? Yep. It sure is a utopia in the Federation. Well, it is. That's what we're striving for as a human. I know. Human. I feel as like a, there's this attitude as at the a end human. Like, they're just leaving. They didn't solve anything. They didn't help that planet. It was just like, all right. Let's I mean, it's very here. similar to the last fucking thing. To uh, last week's episode. Last weekend. I don't remember. Picard was like beamed away. He's like, all right, you guys should solve this. <laughs> we'll see you later. Yes, but at least that was purposeful, like leaving it in a situation. It's kind of the reverse of this, where he was sort of forcing one side's hand to negotiate. Whereas this, they're leaving and they're like, all right, well, we do help you defeat the terrorists. So you're on your own now. Hopefully you'll do the right thing. Bye. Yeah. Right. So. I don't know. I don't know. <sighs> All right, MVC. MVC. I mean, for me, it's Jordy, hands down. The guy, the whole ship was going to blow up. The guy figures out a way to get off the thing and then and then beams the bomb out of there. Agreed. It's semi, semi, Jordy. Wait, hang on. Oh, okay. We've got to give a little bit to Wesley, too. Point seven five to. <laughs> That's gonna drive bad at Brad Arrington and say the point. Well, you get because Wesley is the one who figures out how to actually get the captain out of danger. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh, with the figuring out the 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 trans warping, whatever the transdimensional interdimensional jumps. shift jump poop yeah, jump. I guess I don't know. To me, it's uh, it's the most important person. And to me, it's it's Jordy. But do with the, your side what you wish. Well, fine. I'll just give it to Jordy too. We sit and watch, and then we hang and talk. But the podcast isn't over just yet. How many Andy's does this episode get? This is a rough one. Yeah, because it sure is. Wasn't even. I got to tell you something. I kept stopping this episode and just looking at my phone, like I couldn't get through it. Yeah, I did. And even the bad episodes, I'm always sort of engaged, you know, in an amused way. It wasn't even good, bad. Yeah. Like, I mean, honestly, basing my, completely basing my uh, thingamajiggy, Mm -hmm. my rating, my Andes on last week, when I gave it three and a half. Right. This one, uh, this one needs a 1.5. 
I'm going to go higher just because uh, I think that the the writing of the dialogue was good, and I think they do raise important issues and represent different sides. And I thought the, I think the dimension jumping was smart, but then I agree with you that the way that they handled the dimension jumping was not smart. So uh, I'm going to give it a three. There you go. Not a very highly rated episode. I'm going down to 2.5. Oh, look at that. It dropped even more. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the trailer for Deja Q, which is uh, episode 313. Season 3, episode 13. Deja Q. Here we go. Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation, the evil minded Q is back and desperate. What is it you want, Q? Sanctuary on this ship. His powers have been destroyed. Leaving him a mere mortal. Just one of the boys, eh? No. Alien forces are out for the kill, and only the Enterprise stands in their way. On Star Trek The Next Generation. There you go, Andy. Interesting. Um, I have mixed feelings about Q. One of my most rewatched episodes. I've probably seen this episode... 50 to 60 times. Holy crow. That is a lot of... Holy crow. That is a lot of watchings. Yep. Um, Anything else you have to say to our peoples? I don't... I, 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 I care about you all, or at least <coughs> many of you, if not most of you. Sure. And uh, thank you for listening to uh, what was uh, not one of the best episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation and our commentary therein. <laughs> well done, Andy. <laughs> I feel like that was, that was like a statement right out of this episode. That's that <laughs> basically four did nothing and uh, just commented. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, the whole idea that uh, we have to have these episodes where we're like visiting random planet problem well that's the whole thing wasn't it <sighs> i just described sort of you really did <laughs> i totally did <laughs> you know the whole idea that we're just on the spaceship and we're going place to place i don't these get it people with these characters interacting on a ship <laughs> yeah well i hope uh i i'm looking forward to next week because i want to i can't wait to see what andy has to say about deja q uh so i hope you're all looking forward to next week until then i'm gonna beam out can you take me with you